The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I welcome Mary O'Malley. Mary's an author, counselor, speaker, and awakening mentor. Her books include What's in the Way is the Way, The Gift of Our Compulsions, Belonging to Life, and The Magical Forest of Aliveness. Her work evolved from a powerful awakening which set Mary on the path to change her whole relationship with the challenges of life, freeing herself from a lifelong struggle with darkness. Since that time, Mary has taught extensively throughout the United States, Canada, and Denmark. She's an inspirational speaker who leads retreats that transform people's lives. She also provides individual counseling and offers ongoing groups where people can come together to experience the miracle of awakening. Her strength lies in her ability to be fully present in the moment, integrating information, technique, and insight with simplicity and compassion. You can find her at www.maryomalley.com and www.whatsinthewayistheway.com. Welcome, Mary. Oh, so glad to be here. Very glad to have you as well. Um, and, of course, part of the impetus is your um, latest book, What's in the Way is the Way. So I thought we'd start by talking about that particular book. Um, te- can you tell us how you came to write that book? Well, I, I, life tells me when to write books. And, you know, it just started coming. I was on a, a long, silent meditation retreat. And one day I was trying to meditate, and the the overview of this book came within, I just had to finally stop meditating and write it down. I think that what we really are needing in this time of, of real transition on this planet, and, uh, you know, so much of the old is dying, and so much of the new is being born, you know, this book is really how to show up for life, period. And that means... Uh, both the easy and the difficult, the joyous and the sorrowful. You know, and we do know how to uh, somewhat show up for the easy, and, you know, it's joyful, but we usually try to hold on to it. But we're not <laughs> good about showing up for the difficult. We resist and we do not recognize how much we turn these challenges that life gives us, whether it's the loss of a job or the loss of a mate or the loss of your house or uh, the loss of your health. 
you know, we don't realize how much we turn all that into suffering because we don't know how to show up for what we deem the difficult. That's an interesting point you're you're making. You you know, you it was a little provisional. You said we sort of know know how to show up for the good stuff. Um, <laughs> but but uh, my experience is we don't know how to show up very well even for that. It, it yeah, that a- is true. That <laughs> is true. You know, it, it's so amazing. I, there's a wonderful quote by Alan Watts, the wonderful Zen philosopher. He said, you know, how no matter how many times you say the word water, it will never be wet. And I think what most of us don't understand is that we basically experience life through our ideas about life, even the joyous stuff. Mm. And that's that's our prison. That is our prison. And uh, the other thing that came to my mind when you said that is just that uh, if you fear... Uh, not feeling good, I guess it's going to um, always be there in the back of your mind w- even while you're feeling good. The, yeah. the, sense, yeah. <laughs> the sense of imminent yeah. loss. <laughs> well, right. And, and the amazing thing is, is that there's nothing we can hold on to here. You know, if I walk out into my garden to water in the morning and I walk out a half an hour later to turn off the water, it's a different garden. Everything is constantly unfolding, and the only sanity is to show up for it. But this this conditioned self that we have crawled into really, truly tries to make it be what it thinks it should be. And because of that, we miss life. You know, most of most of the people who uh, I have on this show, including yourself, have had uh, a profound kind of, I guess I'd say, loss experience or at least um, leveling sort of experience. Do you think people can come to this kind of viewpoint that you're talking about without, you know, the the big catastrophe? Or, or is well, that sort of what gets our attention, by and large? Exactly. But I, I want to just uh, lay down a little bit of foundation here before I answer that question. In What's in the Way, uh, there's a wonderful metaphor at the beginning. And, you know, it's the meadow. And everything flows in the meadow. Day flows into night, winter into spring. Water flows. Light waves flow. Sound waves flow. There's nothing in the meadow that needs anything to be any different than what it is. Like the beautiful noble fir doesn't wish it was a maple tree, you know, and the marmot isn't afraid of, you know, if, if I come out of my hole, a, a hawk may get me, you know. They just show up for life. We showed up in that meadow when we were born. Everything flowed through us. And as we began to take on what I sometimes call the conditioned self, or I call a lot in this book the storyteller in our head that's telling stories all day long, Mm -hmm. the clouds in the sky begin to lower and they begin to whirl and swirl around us. And this pretty well happens. This whole self-image, this whole idea 
that we are our thoughts pretty well grabs us by the time we were si- our six. Now, the key is you've never left the meadow, this creative, intelligent, ever-unfolding river of life. You just think you have. Now, I once asked Eckhart Tolle, does it take suffering in order to, and these will be my words, you know, break free of the clouds? The clouds mm. are very seductive. You Absolutely. know, our clouds say, I am sad, we think we're sad. If we, our clouds say we're mad, we, we think we're mad. And so I said, does it take, a, a, you know, a great uh, challenge? It's almost like a hurricane wind to blow away the clouds. And he said, no. But then he said something along this line, that the collective unconsciousness is so thick right now that it is basically only going to be people that do have a great challenge. Not not everybody, but most of us need a great challenge to begin to really ask the question, who am I really? And to begin, as this book uh, offers, to begin to discuss Spell the clouds, not fix them, not try to get rid of them. As soon as you do that, you're still in the land of struggle. Remember, you've never left the meadow. And so we begin to learn how to use our attention to dispel the clouds. And usually it takes some kind of challenge in our lives to kind of a tease our attention out of following thought wherever it goes and begin to notice there's something going on here. It's called life right outside of your story about it. And so what do you think on that line in this particular time or in this particular culture um, uh, makes it so hard for us to see our see our way through. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there particular things right now that you think are more in the way uh, than maybe at some other times? Well, I think the key is what's in the way is the way. You know, it's so important to get that. We have a tendency to do dualistic flip that, that basically says, oh, my God, you know, the, you know, everything's going to, you know, pot here, you know, and so we've got to fix it. But to me, life is an evolving beingness. And right now, we are at a time where literally we are changing eras. The Cenozoic era is ending, and we are opening into what is now called the Ecozoic era. And in the Cenozoic era, human beings were basically caught in their minds and in fear-based minds, and all you have to do is look at history to see what that's like. Mm. But now, as we are changing eras, if you look back, and I studied uh, with Thomas Berry and Brian Swim, you know, two really uh, amazing evolutionary uh, cosmologists, And they basically say in every single evolutionary shift, there was always chaos as the old was dying and the new was being born. So in my world, there's more and more human beings that are beginning to to use these challenges 
to begin to get to know their storyteller. I call it look to unhook. And yes, there's many, many. I mean, just look at ISIS and homegrown terrorists and, and 60 million uh, refugees, you know, and global warming and the weather and oh my God. But can we not buy into the fear of it? Can we begin to use these challenges, whether they are world challenges or individual challenges in our lives, to really, truly do what I call look to unhook? So you begin to be able to say, oh, fear is here. The story of fear is here, rather than I am afraid. Or the story of uh, loneliness is here. Or the story of I am not enough is here. Uh, rather than I am not enough. And so I really believe or see that the challenges are waking many more of us up right now. Or mm-hmm. what's in the way is the way. <laughs> yeah, one thing I noticed in the book is... Um, a lot of the stories you tell in the book are about what you just spoke of, kind of uh, going towards uh, the thing that you think is in the way and listening to what it has to tell you. And right. uh, and there's some way in which um, uh, we're so geared to solutions. And uh, uh-huh. what I felt reading was you gave me a sense of direction, but not a sense right. of solution. Would that be yes. fair to say? Yes, because it, it, as I say in the introduction, we're addicted to fixing. And I, I love to say we're these little old people endlessly trying to unravel a ball of yarn, and all the while we're sitting in paradise. As soon as we try to fix something, and I'm not saying that you don't, you know, fix things. I mean, if you, you know, break your leg, you go to the doctor and you get a cast and, you know, so on and so forth. But this is our main uh, mode of healing, is trying to get rid of what we don't like and get towards what we do like. Has that ever really worked? No, it is never, maybe for a moment or two, but it has never really brought us home to the meadow. And so fixing is the endless game of struggle of this conditioned self. What this book is about is about curiosity and compassion, these two components of consciousness. Unconsciousness is fixing and judging and getting rid of and and trying to get to and and all all of this struggle that we are used to, to living in. In fact, in The Gift of Our Compulsions, I said that our core compulsion is to struggle. All the other compulsions are an attempt to numb out from that unease. Mm. And so now people are beginning to learn how to be curious about what is. Oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I've got this meeting, uh, and, and, and I have to speak in front of the, our whole group at work, and I, I just, you know, I, I can hardly breathe. Oh, what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, anxiousness is here. And then you begin to learn how to go and be with it. And that attention is literally what heals. 
that attention is out of fixing, changing, rearranging, getting rid of, rising above. When you bring your attention and your immediate experience together, energy begins to move. You know, I didn't particularly connect this while I was reading, but I'm connecting now an idea that is very, very uh, potent for me, which is that if you add fear to any quality, it it becomes its opposite. Um, So, you know, people are afraid to go towards their feelings because they'll lose everything or and it ends up happening in in their inability to kind of be with it. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is why the, the guest house, uh, the, the poem by Rumi, who is a, uh, he was born in Persia. Uh, right. And, and he is probably the most popular poet in the world right now. And of all of his poems, the one that is known the best is called The Guest House. And it is uh, just along the lines of what we're talking about. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. You know, mm-hmm. meet them at the door laughing. You know, each has been set as a guide from the beyond to clear you out for some new delight. Oh, my God. You know, and that's just a paraphrase of a, a much longer a poem. A very good paraphrase. <laughs> I know that poem quite well. Saying, go towards. It's, it's what this work is about. It's going towards. We learned how to go away. There was a study done once of children and their breath practices, and all of them before they went to preschool were breathing their natural breath like dogs and cats and babies do. Their whole trunk is involved with their breath. Not one child was breathing their natural breath by the time they went to first grade. Mm, amazing. It's time for yeah. our first break, and let's, let's come back to that because that's such a, such a profound uh, thing right there. I remember as a kid not being able to breathe. Uh-huh. Uh, and thinking and thinking that was normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, listeners, take these few minutes to go to my host page. Tell me your own stories. Uh, tell me what losses have tr- transformed your lives. And get in touch with me. Sign up to be on my email list and connect with my social media. And you can find Mary at maryomalley.com and what's in the way is the way.com. Be back soon. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones. I've been talking with Mary O'Malley, an author, inspirational speaker, counselor, about her book, What's in the Way is the Way. Um, we Before the break, you mentioned this uh, profound um, fact that no child, that, that preschoolers are breathing quite naturally, and by the time they go to school... They pretty much universally aren't. I find that a staggering, um, right? A, a staggering right. thought yeah. <laughs> or reality. It's, it's almost as if we come into this schoolroom. I think the Earth is a schoolroom, and we take on a, a chunk of the unconsciousness. We absorb it from their parents. They absorb it from their parents. You know, so on and so forth. And it seems like this is a journey that we're all on. And we take on this belief in separation, this belief that we are our thoughts, and this belief that we need to have life and ourselves be different than what we are. And if you watch most people, they struggle with their life. They, they, they hold their breath. Their bodies are tight. They get headaches. They get shoulder aches. They get gut aches. Because we learned how to hold on and try to be someplace else, someplace better. And I put that better in quotes. But everything we long for and everything we truly are is right here, right now. And so we have left, but now more and more of us are turning towards we're learning how to actually show up for what life is offering. Does this take time to learn how to do this? Yes, because we are so used to pushing away what we don't like. But may your listeners really, truly hear that when we push away what we don't like, we actually empower it. It doesn't go away it runs us from underneath our everyday awareness. I'm going to assume that there was a time before you had, how shall I say it, integrated this, this approach where you can walk towards your own uh, places of suffering. Right. And, and at some point, uh, something helped you to do that. Can you talk a little bit about your own experience? Because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know every specific, but I know that that's that I'm always encouraged when people have not been able to do that and then are able to do it. Yes. It encourages yes. my own ability. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's your story about uh, coming to this way of living life? Well, it. 
I really uh, crawled into darkness when I was young. You know, just not a very a good environment, and uh, on many, many, many levels. And you know, I learned how to comfort myself with food. Uh, by the time I was ten, uh, I uh, went on so many diets and starvation diets, and so on and so forth. And then when I went away to college, I added alcohol to that mix and then eventually added uh, uh, street drugs to that mix and all of it was trying to get away from what I was experiencing. And uh, my mother started me on a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, when I was 10. And then, you know, I tried psychologist and hypnotherapy and uh, uh, two different mental hospitals. And all of it was trying to fix what I was experiencing. Well, all these people, all I heard when they were trying to fix me is there's something wrong. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so then when all of this, I gained 97 pounds in a year when I was 23 and washed most of it down with alcohol and took every single drug I could get my hands on. So it's really, I want everybody to get a sense of I was trying to get away from what I was experiencing. And when that didn't work, uh, then the next year I tried to kill myself three times. And I can remember the last time I was in a windowless bedroom. This, this time I slit my wrists and, and, uh, and I couldn't get my wrists to bleed uh, enough. And I was just furious. I can remember sitting on the floor just sobbing and hating myself because I was a complete failure, not only at life but at suicide and thank god i was a failure but at that time it was just oh it was it was so horrible just one more thing you hadn't done right huh exactly exactly Mm. and Mm -hmm. and i asked my first honest open-ended question i didn't realize this until years later i said if i can't get out of this what is this all about and uh, within six months, somebody came. I can still remember this man. The, the one of the entrances into this windowless bedroom, into this apartment, was a a door uh, in this uh, bedroom. And he brought me a book called The Transparent Self. That was the very first opening I had. And then uh, a few months later, my mother uh, had signed up for a yoga weekend and couldn't go, and she uh, said, do you want to go? And it was kind of like, oh, well, okay, you know. And he taught, he, he was a Hatha yoga teacher, but he also taught yana yoga, and he was one of the first people that really brought yoga to, to uh, the United States. An amazing man, Joel Kramer. And I, he came up from California four times, and the third time he came up, I uh, recorded the whole weekend and then transcribed it because I knew, well, it was like my life had changed from a, dull, uh, a black and white, hor- grainy horror movie mm-hmm. to a Dolby surround sound, Technicolor, Panavision movie that I couldn't hold on to it. And then when my house and store burned to the ground, it was that notebook that I grieved, that I wrote down what he had said. And the last time he came up, I asked him, would you let me know whether I'm heading in the right direction? And he said, yes. And he, I said, in the seeing is the movement. And his mm-hmm. eyes just twinkled, and he said, yes. And I got at that moment, there's nothing inside of me that needs to be fixed. 
there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, all this stuff that is, is brought me into darkness are stories that I learned about myself when I was young. But it wasn't until I had the good grace to meet and spend a fair amount of time with a man called Stephen Levine, who has written many books on death and dying, but really is all about how to be fully alive. And he taught me how to be with myself with great heart. And believe you me, there was no heart in my childhood, no heart, you know, inside of me while my heart had been shut down. And slowly and surely, every single part of me got woven back into my heart. And then life began to ask me to teach. And it's so interesting because now the eating calmed down. My body stayed the same weight for years. You know, I travel the world, you know, and yes, these, some of these old states arise, you know, at, at times. But I am right there. Oh, I see you, anxiousness. Or I see you, shame. And as I meet them in my heart, they just pass right through me. You know, we, as, we, as we spoke about when we first met, um, we have Stephen Levine in, in common. <laughs> I spend yes, a lot of, right, a lot of time with him, too. And um, the, way, the, the way I'm thinking about that time is um, uh, a learning in how not to consider my insides to be enemy territory. Beautiful. Uh, oh. You know, to... to yes realize that it's a, a friendly it's it's a friendly nation in there yes and yes. that that i can make friends with what's going on yes yeah yes yeah. even the things that look like they're there to destroy you or bully you or shame you they're just children in monster costumes or it's not exactly a child we have inside, but these energies got frozen when we were a child. You know, I love to uh, say, what would, would it be like that if you were four years old and you were playing with your favorite toy and your older brother taunted, took it away and taunted you with it, and you were just so mad and helpless with rage, and you bit him, and then he yells at your mom, and your mom comes in and spanks you, you know, <laughs> and then sends you to your room. Oh, my God, we had so many deep feelings that we didn't know what to do with. And if we had kept them, you know, stayed open to them, they could have overwhelmed us. So we stuffed them deep inside, and then we decided that they were monsters, and we spend our lives trying to get away from them. Mm. In fact, the opposite is true. What's in the way is the it's way. It's the way. Mm-hmm. As you learn how to bring it into your consciousness and touch it with your heart, which is what the book is about, these things calm down and they go back into the free flowing of liveness that they came from. I, I was interested in this um, this circle you talk about in the book, which I think we're referring to right now, and I, I noticed that Although there's no, um, it's a circle of all these things that we make out of, uh, out of life early on. But I noticed that you kind of started with I am separate as the uh-huh. genesis point. And uh-huh. I thought that was very interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I call them, we put 
these spells, and I call them spells because spells are something that's laid over the top of us. They are not true, and they can be lifted. And those clouds that whirl and swirl around us that make it so we can't recognize the meadow. The meadow's never left. The meadow's always here. That, those clouds are made up of spells. And the, there's eight core spells. And I've worked with people for uh, 30 years now. So I've gotten to see into the minds and hearts of tens of thousands of people. We all have these spells. Mm-hmm. And the first spell is, I am separate. In other words, at one time, there were no thoughts in your head. Not a one. Mm-hmm. And life just danced through you. And you were aware, not as an adult can be, but you were here for life. And then slowly and surely, we begin to create what Eckhart Tolle calls the mind-made me. And I love that, you know, because it really speaks to it uh, directly. You know, it it is this uh, self-image, this storyteller in our head that pretty much the foundations of it were pretty well set inside of us by the time we were six. This idea that I am separate, I am here and life is out there, we take on pretty early. And then it leads to the second spell Life is not safe. When you step out of life, it's a pretty big thing you're looking at, and it can change in a moment, and death can come in a moment, and we have no control over that, and and parents can yell and scare the living bejesus out of you, and they can uh, shame you, all this. And so we take on this second spell, life is not safe. Then we go into the three operating spells. I must control life. And I want people to feel this is way down deep in our belly, this sense of, ooh, you know, life must be controlled. So I've got Mm -hmm. to do life, and I've got to do it right, and I'm not doing it right enough. And that's pretty much so where most people live all the time. They're constantly doing life. You know, they're very, 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 very rarely here for life the moment it appears out of mystery. And they've got to do it right, whatever right is, and it's all a relative term. And they secretly believe that they're not doing it right enough. You know, if you make a million dollars, well, the guy next door has $10 million. Or mm-hmm. if you lose five pounds, you know, that's not enough. You've got to lose five pounds more, you know, so on and so forth. Those three operating spells lead to the three hidden spells that everybody has. Because I'm not doing it right enough, I am wrong. This is that knot deep in our belly that everybody has. I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. This is the core fuel of this story. Tell him not enough, and then we go back into the opera. I got to do it. I got to do it right now. If I do it right enough, then I'll be enough. But then it's never quite enough. Oh, maybe you lose the weight, or you get the ten million, and for you know one month you're happy with the ten million, and then the mind wants twenty million. You know, 
Yes. But that idea that I am wrong leads to this even deeper spell, I am unlovable, which leads to the deepest, deepest fear we all have. I am all alone. The interesting thing is, if you separate the word alone, it's all one. So all of these spells are things that we absorbed when we were very young and that we can learn how to dispel these spells. In other words, to see them and see through them, to understand that everybody has them so that we can come back and live from and as the great flow of life. I'm looking at this circle right now in your book of of what you just described. And what occurs to me is no matter where you're able to bring curiosity, uh, you could uh, interrupt the flow of that. Um, As soon as you, as, as soon as you question and get curious about, am I really all alone or, yeah. Must I control life or, you know, any one yeah. of those, uh, as soon as you bring some curiosity into it, you have uh, an opportunity to kind of interrupt the whole, the whole um, whirlwind. Exactly. And there, there's, then there's another step. That, that, that's can, really... can we talk about that after our break yeah. here? Yeah, let's come back to that other step after we get back. Um, Listeners, take the few minutes to go get in touch with me or my guest. And you can find Mary O'Malley at maryomalley.com and whatsintheway.com. Be back soon. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. 
Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Mary O'Malley, an author, inspirational speaker, runs workshops, um, works individually with people as well, uh, about her work and her book, What's in the Way is the Way. So you said there's one more step. There's this circle that we're looking at that starts with I am separate leads back to I am all alone and then of course if you're all alone you're separate um, exactly <laughs> it's a continuous circle of, of uh, confusion and despair and struggle but I want everybody right now just to shake their, their hand just shake one of their hands and just get it going shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it now stop shaking it and notice their hand and feel what they can feel there there's tingles there's aliveness. There's energy moving. This is what it's like when we were very young. Energy just moves through us. Sadness, madness, and gladness. And so who we are at our core is this free-flowing aliveness of life. And it includes the dark and the light. It's the yin and yang symbol. What we learned was to tighten down around the difficult and try to hold on to what we call the pleasant. And it got us caught into this cloud bank of struggle that most people live in until they uh, die. So here we are beginning to explore the fact that just maybe this game of struggle inside of our heads is really not true. So that's the first step, is to begin to hear these spells, to begin to hear. This is why I do groups and I do retreats and all that, so people can hang out with other people to see that they're thinking and feeling the same things. It's so freeing to do that. Mm. Then the next step is to begin to find these spells as they live inside of you. They have a uh, component in your body. They, they hold energy in a particular way in your body. They have particular feelings that move through you. They have particular stories. Usually the easiest place to begin to see these spells in operation is in your body because all of these spells, like that lump in your throat or that crick in your neck or that elephant sitting on your chest or that fist in your solar plexus or that hole in your belly or that ache in your back, those are spells. Spells generate those. And they cause the body to tighten. Now, how do we move beyond these without fixing them? Mm. <laughs> what we have. That's the trick, isn't it? <laughs> that's the trick. And what we have at our disposal that most people have never been shown, they don't have a clue, is the phenomenal power of their own attention. What do I mean by that? Well, let's imagine that a friend, you have a very difficult day, and you go to a friend, and you are expressing, you know, all this, oh, my God, I think I'm going to get fired, and I, you know, I didn't get the report on time, and, you know, and then I went to McDonald's and bought everything they had and ate it on my way here to your house, and I just feel horrible, and so on and so forth. If that friend does with you what we do with ourselves, 
when we tighten, they say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're talking about this again. I'm just so tired of it, you know. Or they sit down beside you and they start sobbing and they say, oh, this is so horrible. You know, you're never going to get out of this, you know. (laughs) Or they just turn around and walk out of the room. What does that feel like? That's what we do with this held energy inside of us, the held energy of fear and sadness and shame and doubt and confusion and uh, loneliness and despair. But if that friend just listens to you, she may not even say a word, but she's just there with you in a way that doesn't turn this into a problem, that doesn't feel like anything needs to be fixed. You talk for a few minutes, and you feel better. Why? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because the power of attention moves energy. And all this stuff, you know, we call them feelings and things like that, but really all it is is bound-up energy. That's all it is. And it's bound-up energy that the easiest place to begin to see it is in your body and bring it your attention. So a very quick example, the feeling that I tried to eat away, drink away, drug away, and then suicide away was dread. And it's this horrible feeling deep, deep in your belly of this sense that something really bad is going to happen and you don't know when and it's going to happen because you did something wrong. Mm. And that's why I gained 97 pounds in a year. I tried to eat it away and I also tried to drink it away and drug it away. And the amazing thing is when I began to, it wasn't until I began to hang out with Stephen Levine that this armoring around my heart began to crack, and I began to be able to see how scared, how overwhelmed, how ashamed all these parts of myself were. And slowly and surely, and this is, you know, it's not a quick fix. Somebody asked Stephen, how long does this take? And he said, it's the work of a lifetime. Yes, indeed. But what I will add is the only game in town. Mm-hmm. to discover how to bring your attention into what is asking to be set free. And I remember the, the night that I finally, I'd done a lot of work with dread, and I was getting closer and closer to it, and I could, was woken up in the middle of the night, and there it was. And the first thing my mind said, well, let's go eat something. <laughs> <laughs> and you noticed it. <laughs> yes, and I noticed it, and I said, well, oh, that's okay, because you don't fight with your compulsions. As soon as you no. fight, they win. Okay, you could go eat something, but I just remind you that that, that just stuffs this back down inside. You know, we don't set it free. And it's the mind is almost like it, it, it held its nose, you know, like when you go into a room that really stinks as well, okay, you know, <laughs> I guess, you know, we can go towards it. And I just went into my body, and for the first time, I fully met it without the mind resisting, without any stories, and I just was with this feeling of extreme dread, and the energy opened into joy. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized we are alchemists. Now, very important to say this. If you go towards something and give it your attention, trying to make it go away, it won't work. It won't work, there, yes. No, uh-uh. There has to be this sincere 
sincere wanting and longing, willingness to be with this bound-up energy that's been stuck in there since you were young and has been running you from underneath your everyday awareness. And that's why I say so many of these states that we have run away from are just children in monster costumes. <laughs> you know, and you go towards them and they whip off the costume and say, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm saying I uh, I'm, I've got my, uh, my visit last weekend to my grandchildren in my head right now. One uh-huh. is one and a half and the other is three and a half. The one and a half year old is just a hundred percent wherever he is all the time, exactly. yes. <laughs> and it's just I like, know. How do we keep him safe, and how do we keep him from hurting anyone? <laughs> you know? Right. But the three and a half year old, uh, he'll do stuff. He's got more of a mind thing going on, right? But so, for instance, I was thinking about he hits his brother. Right. And they've been playing happily. And then he, yeah. he hauls off and, you know, hits him. And my daughter will take it. She'll get down on his, his little level and take him by the, the shoulders and say, what's going on in your emotions right now? Oh, what? <laughs> it's, so, it's so dear. And, and so, um, you know, we're all going to have a self. We're all going to, exactly. you know, it's, it's our currency. Yeah. But we don't have to be so brutal uh, right. as, as parents, grandparents, people in the world. But for most of us, childhood is pretty brutal, yeah? Very brutal. And most of us were shamed when something that happened or ignored or, or punished. And that energy just got stuck inside of us. We didn't know what to do with it. So this is what what your daughter did with him is what we're learning how to do with ourselves. Oh, Absolutely. I think that's part of why it touched here? me. I had yeah. to be quite an old person to get that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, right now, my son's cancer has come back and it, it uh, uh, metastasized. And we've been uh, doing with surgeries and chemo since January. And... Uh, and for the first time in a long time, my storyteller is really stirred up because there's nothing like having your children suffer to be superfood for the um, uh, separate self. But I was called by my middle name until I was 30, and that was Lynn. And it's just so wonderful to be able to say, oh, Lynn, I see this is difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. And when we listen to the parts of ourselves that uh, are stirred up, the chances of them just moving through us and we come back to presence, to just being here for life, are far greater You know, when we can be curious about what we're going on. Just like your daughter says, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on? We didn't get you that see, when we were young. You seem to be having some feelings, feelings right now. <laughs> Yeah. What are they? <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. And, and not shamed. Right. And, and, you know, not to put too high a standard on it because no human being, no human parent can do that every time. No. But, no. but at least he has the concept when, when he does these things that he doesn't feel right. too good about, there's probably something going on with him. <laughs> you know? Yes. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then he he begins to discover how to uh, to maneuver through this uh, plethora of stuff that makes up the conditioned self. I have a wonderful metaphor that I, I say that being caught in this conditioned self or what Eckhart Tolle calls the mind made me or what I call in this book the storyteller in our head that is based on beliefs that we took on when we were young is like being in a wind tunnel with a 10,000-piece picture puzzle. Now, every once in a while, you can just fly just right for a few minutes before the wind slams you against the side of the wind tunnel or a picture a piece of the picture puzzle hits you in the eye or it rips off all of your clothes or whatever. So much of becoming conscious is discovering how to step out of the wind tunnel from, let's say, oh, my God, I'm so anxious, to, oh, anxiousness is here, and you begin to bring your attention to where it is in your body. That's stepping out of the wind tunnel, and every time you do that, you bring a piece of the picture puzzle out with you, and you put it on the table in front of you. Now, at the beginning, it doesn't look like, you know, you can't even tell what the picture puzzle looks like. But slowly and surely, because you get drawn back into the wind tunnel again, and then more and more quickly you come back out again into curiosity and into great heart, and slowly and surely the picture puzzle of this conditioned self begins to become clear. And it's so easy. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I'd be with my son and then, and then, you know, we'd get some kind of report from the doctor and then fear would just run through me like a wildfire, you know. But then I would say, oh, 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 this is just fear. Just come back and be with Micah. Because if I had followed the fear, you know, I couldn't be with him. There was only one time in this last six, seven months that I couldn't do that. And it was so painful because he was basically all on his own. I was not there with him. I was identified with my fear. And uh, and so quickly I recognized that after I left and then called him and we had a good talk about that. But we don't have to follow these We can strengthen the muscle of our attention, of our curiosity, of our ability to relate to them rather than from them. That's that's a a wonderful place to to end for today. It's been a delight to talk with you, Mary. Uh, I hope we'll stay in touch. Do you have anything coming up in you know the not too distant future you'd like people to know about? Well, I canceled both my Hawaii retreat and my Denmark retreat because we just don't know what how long this is going to be unfolding. Um, you know, so the so the thing to do would be go get on your mailing list and go get on the mailing list. Okay, that that will come back up again. But sounds true has picked up what's in the way. You know, I self published it a couple of years ago, and they Uh found it and contacted me. It's coming out on the first of January. The self-published book, which they didn't really change a lot, is 
that, available. Uh, I'm going to have to interrupt you because we're out of time, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Um, but we'll send people your way. Next week, my guests are Kara Jones and Kath Duncan, who through their organization, Creative Grief Studio, train those working with grievers to access the creativity of their clients. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.